As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. I love the Raiders. Most of all, I love to win. You are now listening to State of the Nation with Jimmy Durkin, Vic Tafer, Ted Nguyen, and Deshaun Reed on the Athletic Podcast Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to an off-season edition of State of the Nation here on the Athletic Podcast Network. Jimmy Durkin, Vic Tafer, and Ted Nguyen. Deshaun Reed, we believe, is sleeping in an airport somewhere. He uh, he couldn't quite make it here today, but uh, we'll move on without him. As we discuss the Raiders' off-season, we're about a, a little over a month away from training camp, and Really on the field, a relatively quiet offseason for the Raiders. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that not much was uh, was available to be observed for reporters at the OTA sessions and the mini camp. Uh, they didn't really do any team workouts uh, in front of the, the media. They uh, they kind of kept those inside. So uh, not a whole lot to, to glean and really analyze from what the Raiders have done on the field. Obviously off the field, uh, some big news was made Monday when Carl Nassib came out as gay, becoming the first active NFL player to come out as gay. And, uh, you know, obviously a big moment across the league, a big moment for Carl. And I think uh, it has to be a testament to the fact that a, you know, he felt comfortable enough to do it and and I think felt comfortable enough in the environment within the Raiders. So, you know, just got to be happy for him that, uh, you know, spending five years in the NFL, not being able to quite be yourself uh, has probably been tough on him. And, you know, you just just wish him the best of luck. And he's just a football player and he's going to go out there and, and try to do the best for the Raiders. Yeah, obviously um, a very cool moment for him, I'm sure, and very, a big one for around the league. I think he mentioned it took him 15 years to do this. He was agonizing over it for a long time just to... Kind of, you know, this, and he realized he's a happy person. He wanted to be true to himself and kind of also help out. He mentioned um, the Trevor Project, which he made, uh, I think it was $100,000 donation to. And they work with uh, suicide for prevention for uh, LGBTQ kids. And I just think that's uh, really important that uh, people can look at him as an example. These young kids are having trouble. And someone who made it his way and is in a, in a league where... He definitely stands out, and maybe more guys will be comfortable coming out now. So just it's a big moment for the league and also uh, for Carl in particular. Yeah, I think the fact that it took him 15 years to make this decision and the fact that he's the first active NFL player to come out. And, yeah, players that come out after their careers, it just shows you how, how hard it is to, to do that type of thing in an environment like the NFL. So really brave of him, and hopefully – there are more people that feel like they can 
come out and talk about their sexual orientation if they feel like it. We do want to talk about the biggest topics out of the, the mini camp. Vic, you were there in Vegas for the Raiders mini camp. And I think maybe probably the number one story to, to come out of that is that 2020 first round pick Damon Arnett almost seems like an afterthought. Does not look like he is lined up at this moment to be a starter. That would seem to be Trayvon Mullen and Casey Hayward. Doesn't look like he's going to be the guy in the slot either. A first round pick a year later who might not be factoring as a starter. That is not a great look. Yeah, I was a little, I mean, I definitely, you heard some rumblings, but I was a little surprised to see it myself and to hear some things from people in the building. I just think that when they when they signed Casey Hayward, uh, I thought that, you know, obviously they have him, a guy, a veteran guy everyone likes and well-respected and knows Gus Bradley's system. I thought he and Arnett would, would fight for the, the starting outside cornerback spot with the loser probably going inside the slot is what I figure. Arnett has played a little bit in college, not much, but definitely has some skill set that I worked there, but I thought you'd want him on the field regardless because of the way you picked him. Obviously, at some point, you're very high on the kid. But uh, right now, it looks like they pretty much have given Hayward the, the one job outside, opposite Trayvon Mullen. And at the slot, you got Nevin Lawson, who seems like he's definitely taking control of that job. And rookie Nate Hobbs is kind of the guy behind him fighting for it also. So I think um, really Arnett does not factor in at all in terms of those two spots. Looking right now like a backup to both, um, just kind of like maybe a third or fourth cornerback uh, on the outside, which, again, he's had some troubles last year, but also a lot of you know, problems off the field as far as COVID and uh, some injuries. So I just think that there's probably excuses to say why he probably deserves another shot to kind of take a step up. But at this point, it doesn't seem like it's going to happen. It seems like he definitely is, is not being counted on uh, for a big role uh, next season. That's pretty interesting. This, you know, we heard that he did get bigger and looked like he added some size, which he he lacked last season. But yeah, just for them to just give the job to Hayward right off the bat seems like they're trying to give him a, a wake up call. So they they might not be happy about something he's doing, whether it's work ethic or just not learning picking up the defense fast enough. But it is pretty concerning for a guy that you know you spent a first round draft pick to get last season to be already riding for a bench for Casey Hayward, who really struggled last season. He has a lot to prove. He has to prove that he can get back to the level he played at before because he just didn't play at a very high level last season. Well, in terms of another guy who needs to get back to his high level of play, uh, Corey Littleton, uh, some talk now that he might not be playing on the inside. He might get moved to outside linebacker in Gus Bradley's system. Yeah, Gus was saying it's early, obviously. So these guys are still wearing shorts. He won't see him in pads. But it looks like his first inclination is kind of maybe to move on to the Sam spot. He likes him on the edge a little bit. He also likes his cover skills. I think that's also a big, big part of his role. But uh, I wouldn't be surprised if, if Morrow gets a bigger role inside and they move Wilton outside, which, again, I think if you're looking for a way to get some more production out of Corey, that's maybe the way to go because last year he struggled. And people are going to blame the system of Paul Gunther, but at some point you got to look at the player also. So I think Gus is trying to figure out where these guys best fit. I like the idea of trying different things. Maybe uh, maybe a, a change of scenery will be good for, for Corey. I think uh, with Sam, I wrote this when Bradley was first hired, they don't really have a guy who fits the, um, the prototypical Sam in that system. And Littleton is the closest to fitting that type of position. So, you know, I, I thought that they could experiment with him there a little bit. He doesn't have that, you know, classic, really strong hands guy that could knock you back type of strength. But he has the the length and um, athleticism to play that position. But I, I don't think they're going to be playing a ton of base anyways. But, you know, we'll, we'll see how he, he plays there. But I, I think they move him there more because of necessity. I, I just don't think they have 
that many guys that could play that position. If we're looking at guys that are going to be counted on to make, you know, maybe the biggest stride possible, if the Raiders are going to really take that next step, I think Henry Ruggs, obviously another of the Raiders first round picks from last year is probably at the top of that list. Uh, the Raiders need to see him really emerge and become uh, the true deep receiving threat, short, intermediate. He needs to be, you know, a dynamic receiver that they thought they were getting. Vic, what did you see from him? Looks like he's maybe gotten a little bigger, stronger. I mean, that that's one thing I know they went into the offseason asking out of him is that he needs to get stronger to be able to, to kind of fight off those defenders, get in and out of his breaks. What do you see out of Henry Ruggs going into year two? Yeah, he definitely is a little bigger. I think that's a key. Like you mentioned, a key part of it. And uh, you know, John Gruden didn't say much in his, in his first time talking to us in a while, but he did say that Ruggs looks a lot better than he did last year. So I think just the first impression coming in this year is a lot better as far as a guy who can maybe be a little tougher on his routes, kind of make the cuts a little harder, a little more physical. So obviously he has the top end speed to kind of take the top off the defense, but they want a little more intermediate range. I think just kind of get him get him going on the slants. Maybe he can win some more balls on the inside. So. I think at this point, they're definitely um, excited about the progress he's made. And hopefully, John said, it's also on him. They have to give him a bigger role. I think last year, they didn't give him, I think, enough. I think they had to keep going to him and, and try and, and get him going. So hopefully this year, he's a bigger part of the offense and is able to take advantage of that by being bigger himself. Yeah, I think the things that he struggled with last season, obviously, is just trying to pick up John Gruden's offense because it's a very high-volume offense. It can be tough on any rookie uh, especially at, at the receiver position. And like you mentioned, he needed to get bigger, and he, he did get bigger. And we'll see how that translates on the field because the things he struggled with, even in college, were getting off press coverage and getting rerouted by guys. So he got bigger, and we're going to have to see it on the field. He can't get pushed around by corners at, at the line of scrimmage, and he can't get pushed around while he's running routes because when that happens, you just your speed gets negated. So it doesn't matter how fast you run. If you can't get off press and you, you can't get away from physical coverage, then you get slowed down. You know, another guy who got bigger, and, and Vic has a story coming out shortly on this, is uh, Yannick Ngankwe. Uh, obviously, probably their biggest free agent signing, a guy that can be a true dynamic edge rusher he's never had fewer than eight sacks in the season career high is 12 and a half and uh, the Raiders are really banking on him being somebody that can come in and, and elevate their pass rush but uh, he does have a history where he's not been great against the run well he adds 12 pounds of muscle which uh, is something you think should boost his ability to uh, to play the run what are the expectations right now out of unique Ngongwe? obviously he has experience in Gus Bradley's system he was drafted by Bradley in Jacksonville and, and reunites with the coach who we played for as a rookie they're pretty high. I mean, I think obviously they liked him, you know, being when they signed him. Obviously, based on his track records, a proven pass rusher, a veteran guy. I hadn't had that in a long time here since since Mac left. I think um, so. That's one thing. And then he comes in. He adds the added muscle. He looks a lot bigger. Definitely, he's fired up. Definitely, saying all the right things. He wants to be a leader. He and Max Crosby are going to be the top duo in the league. He says. I think um, just a guy who comes in with the right attitude. Definitely realizes that they've had some problems here in the past and. You know what? This is a new era. This is kind of like we're starting from scratch here, and I'm going to be a big part of the reason why we win. So that's that's huge for a guy to come in with an alpha male role and kind of like take over. And now the key thing is production. If he can um, produce as he has in the past, even better than he has in the past, then this was a really good signing. So I think um, as of right now, at this point in uh, was it June, the Raiders are thrilled with uh, Ngakwe. It's interesting that he did want to add more size because um... – with Bradley's system, traditionally has two different types of ends in his, his base package. You have a big end, uh, which plays on a tight end and has to be better at handling the run, and a Leo, which is a weak side end, 
which is more of a smaller pass rusher, which is a position that Ngakwe played when he played for Bradley, which you expected him to play. But there was a bit of a conflict there because um, Crosby looks like he would have been the Leo, and Ngakwe is a, a Leo type. So do you sit one of them and start Farrell on the other side as, as the big end? Or maybe with this added size now, they're more comfortable playing Ngakwe on one side and, and Crosby on the other. That's my guess. I think they're... Um... Max also, Gus mentioned, has worked hard this offseason. Definitely looks lean. Uh, he once had Von Miller pass rushing summit, and Von's very high on him. Just, um, I think, last year played with two injuries, and he still had seven sacks. So, in their mind, and Ngakwe also said this, that Max Crosby can be a top, top player. So, I think maybe that is the plan. Maybe that plan is for Ngakwe to get bigger and move to the other side and, and have Max play the Leo. But those guys um, are definitely um, on the same page as having uh, big, big seasons and, and being like, like and he said, being a top duo in the league. All right. We are going to take a few questions here before we get out of here. And uh, first one comes up uh, from Robert C. Any word on how the coaches are feeling about Brian Edwards this offseason? Does it seem like he'll be a starter this year? Or are we going to be seeing John Brown end up taking his snaps like Aguilar last year? And I think we do have to add some context to that question. You know, Aguilar jumped into the starting lineup and started grabbing those snaps when Brian Edwards got hurt. Uh, I think it was week two. So it wasn't like Edwards necessarily was was immediately benched. He got hurt and then he never really regained his spot. But what do we think? Is John Brown really going to be uh, the next Nelson Aguilar and, and end up with that starter job? Or are the Raiders, is John Gruden going to want to get this rookie, this second year duo going? I think Edwards going to start. But I think they're going to be rotating John Brown in on certain packages and on, on certain plays. You know, unless Edwards really just comes in, he, you know, he's in phenomenal shape and he just kills everybody during training camp, really solidifies himself. But I, I think John Brown is a really, really talented wide receiver. And I, I think he, they're both going to split snaps, though Edwards will probably be the starter. I agree. They start off with uh, Ruggs and Edwards, and uh, I think I like their depth. And I, I keep saying this; people think I'm nuts, but I think Zay Jones is going to be a factor. I think Zay Jones. They gave him a raise this past off season, and they love his work ethic, and he's gotten better since he's been here. I think he and Derek Carr have a big rapport. They're always, you know, in the park working out those uh, those Twitter photo shoots we see of, of the, in the park in Vegas. But um, they're high on Zay Jones. I think he's also yeah, they also like John Brown, but I wouldn't be surprised if Zay Jones is a much bigger role than he did last season. Here's what I appreciate about Vic. He went went big on Nelson Aguilar last year, kept telling us that we were nuts for discounting him and, and was all on Nelson Aguilar. And he's not just resting on that. He's doubling down and taking Zay Jones to, <laughs> so, to be I'm the not, big guy I'm not as strong as Zay Jones. I'm not, I'm, not that, I'm, not, I'm not there yet. But I'm just saying I think he'll be a factor. I think they like John Brown, but I don't know if John Brown is that far ahead of, of Zay Jones on the depth chart. How many catches for Zay Jones? 25, 30? <laughs> what did he have last year? Like, did he have 20 last year? He had 14 last year. Well, obviously, obviously, at least double it. So I'm giving him, I give him 28, and uh, without even thinking about it. But uh, I'll say 35. I'll say 35 to keep it uh, conservative. 35 catches. Another question uh, that focuses on that 2020 draft. Although uh, the commenter here does say 2019, but this is from Dennis R. Arnett Muse, why was 2019's draft? Obviously, this is 2020's. Actually, why was 2020's draft so bad? Um, didn't even mention Lynn Bowden. I mean, <laughs> all you can say really there is that it is only one year in. I mean, certainly the fact that Arnett does not project as a starter right now and Tanner Muse is a guy we don't even talk about as a third-round pick doesn't look good. But, you know, they had a great 2019 draft. 2020 wasn't great. Drafting is hard, and especially 
um, the way last year's process was. And again, this year where you didn't get as much time with these guys, it, it's not easy. I like that, man. Drafting is hard. It is hard, man. You can't. It's amazing when you hit on the guy. So I think, uh, especially the Raiders. But um, I definitely think maybe maybe overconfidence was an issue. I remember Mike Mayock saying how uh, they have three third-round picks is like stealing because you're getting starters in the third round. And that hasn't uh, been the case. I think um, <laughs> Edwards is definitely the best shot to have in a starter. I think the, one guy's already gone and the other guy's probably gone uh, soon. So... Uh, yeah, sometimes you just got to, I mean, you can't reach. And the Raiders have a, obviously a habit of reaching. They fall in love with guys. And uh, in Tam Hughes' case, you know, obviously the Clemson kid, they love they love all guys from Clemson. And uh, I don't think they really figured the, too much in the fit. They kind of they thought he's a kid, a great kid, aggressive, yada, yada, yada. But you know, making the, the switch from safety linebacker is tough, especially if you don't have all the, uh, the athletic traits that you want at, at linebackers. So it was a tough move already. And then the system, now I've got a new system. So I just think, um, like you mentioned, it is tough for draft picks to make it. And I think in that case, we're looking at these three guys from last year, and it has been tough. Yeah, I mean, the jury's still out on Arnett. And um, Arnett is kind of a, uh interesting pick because when you watch his film, you love his film. And coaches love film, obviously. But when you look at some of the other things that scouts look at, like measurables and age... He just does not compare very well in those areas. So it, it's kind of um, interesting that it seems like Arnett is a real coach's pick, but you don't get that scouting perspective when making that kind of pick in the first round. With Arnett, you hear like all the talk was all these old school guys, nasty, would have played for the old Raiders. But yeah, the problem is we're not, you know, it's 2021. So the, the game has changed a little bit. So I think guys with toughness, that's great, but you got to have the other measurables and maturity. There was always a knock on his maturity coming out of college, and that may also still be a factor. So I think, um, yeah, it wasn't a good year for the Raiders draft-wise, but hopefully they can salvage something out of it this year. We'll see. All right, final question. This one from Gennaro C. Any word yet on whether or not games will be broadcast in the Bay Area? Is this the year Bay Area fans need an out-of-market package? Basically, I would just say, as the years go on, it's, it's going to be increasingly less likely that – you get them on TV. It's not a, there's no blanket decision that gets made. It's basically the, uh, the stations get to choose what game they're going to pick. I mean, obviously if you have a, the 49ers playing and, and they're on Fox and, and Fox has to run it. Um, and there's different rules. If the Niners are playing at the same time, but on the road, they get another game. It certainly, it ends up coming down to say your channel five and you have the choice of, a Raiders game against whoever, and there's maybe a, another game that seems more interesting to you. That's that's your choice. Um, so uh, I would say, yeah, I think one game last year did not air in the Bay Area. So we only had one game. The Raiders have to just be interesting. If they're interesting, then most of their games are probably going to still be on here. If not, uh, we'll see what happens with the new DirecTV package when that all opens up and that becomes available to, to more people. If you don't have to have uh, you know DirecTV to get Sunday ticket anymore, um, it's going to eventually be a case where you're going to need the out-of-area package, uh, I think, to get most games. But um, for now, I, I would expect you'll still get most, but uh, it's on the Raiders to kind of remain interesting and, uh, and and convince the Bay Area stations to still air them. Is 8-8 eight and eight interesting? You can't be 8-8. Eight eight. Remember this year, 17 games, oh, yeah. so 8-8 eight and, eight, eight and impossible. But if it's 8-8, eight and eight, do you lose a game? 8-8 eight, eight and 1. Or it stays the same? 8-1. <laughs> oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. I forgot we've got 17 games now. Yeah, you got probably got to do better than that. I think, uh, you know, like Jimmy said, I think now going forward, the Bay Area fans, you know, 
ability to watch these games and be tied to wins more than ever. So that's probably not been a good sign historically. But, you know, they're trying to be in the upswing. So maybe uh, they get going and they stay on TV. But I think Jimmy's right. As, as time goes on, you'll probably see less and less games on, on Bay Area TV. Yeah, I mean, let's say, I mean, I don't know what, this is probably a primetime game, I'm sure it is. But let's say, you know, Tampa Bay at New England this year is is on Channel 5 opposite a Raider game. If you're Channel Five, you're probably uh, you're probably going with uh, with Tampa Bay, New England. But yeah, Raiders got to win, and then uh, and then they'll get more games on TV in the Bay Area. But all right, guys, that'll wrap up this episode of State of the Nation here on the Athletic Podcast Network. We will be back probably as we get closer to training camp getting underway on July 27th, and uh, we'll see what the Raiders can make out of uh, year two in Las Vegas. Talk to you later. Adios. Hey, football fans, this is Diana Rossini from The Athletic. Get the top stories in pro football snapped directly to your inbox with our latest NFL newsletter, Scoop City. Jacob Robinson and I will bring you the daily scoop of top NFL articles, posts, and podcasts every Monday to Friday. Sign up for free now at theathletic.com backslash scoop.